Episode 1085, and it's a relevant podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What up, Dom? And in Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. Hey, Derek, uh, it's the teens of July. When is your new album coming out? Well, I'm glad you asked. I don't have a date yet, but oh. <laughs> yeah, but I will say I will say this: it will be out within the next two months. I can guarantee, okay. I, I can guarantee you. Before August is up, you will have an album. Oh. There you go. Before August is up, I don't we, know. We need to get the date from you because we're going to do a big episode around that thing. Yeah. It's a project that I'm excited for people to hear, man. As soon as I lock the date in. I'll let you know. Have you heard any of the songs, Cameron? Derek's been sending them to me. I love them. Yeah, we've heard, we heard the whole thing. It's <laughs> oh, I'm just incredible. Because I remember one time I asked Derek to send me some, and he's like, "Yeah, no." <laughs> well, no, no, no. Here's the thing: he won't send you the files because mm-hmm. that's dangerous. It could get leaked. So we had to be with him in no, Montana. The reason I think it's so funny is because my husband is the same exact way. He's like, "No, uh, I'm not sending you anything." Mm-hmm. That's how pe- that's how music people are. He's, mm-hmm. Derek did send me some, and I sent it to. Oh, that was last episode. I was going to say a random. <laughs> Text thread of strangers to get a poll. Um, <laughs> I love it. They liked it. Was to it get great? A poll. Good. Was it I'm glad you got a poll for yes. him. Yeah, yes. I appreciate it. I finally got in a poll. Yes. Yeah. If you heard last episode, three fourths of Americans trust Derek Miner's new album, even though they yes. don't. They don't mm-hmm. trust the church. Yep. All right. We have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talk to Hosanna Wong. Uh, she's a speaker, poet, and author of a new book that we're going to tell you all about. Don't miss that conversation. We also have uh, Epic Battle. We have a summer-themed Epic Battle uh, at the end of the show. But uh, stay tuned. Right now, up next, it's Slices. To Carrie Carrie, the song is My Grandma Says We Have No Future. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen season four. Episodes one through three of The Chosen season four are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? Uh, I, all right, I have an interesting uh, piece of news I, I came across today. Um, how, how many of you guys, when you listen to songs, actually listen to the lyrics? None. Zero. 
at all. I do. I like lyrics. Jamie? I don't, unless my kids are in the car. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wow, I've been singing about <laughs> something real raunchy all these years. And now I, I'm just hearing it for the first time. Yeah. Well, there was yeah. a, re- a, a recent study by Illuminate that looked at a, a big trend in, in music right now, particularly not just globally, but uh, particularly in the United States. Um, now, I will preface, obviously, there's a lot of bilingual people in the U.S., but uh, this seems to be a disproportionate uh, amount, meaning like a lot of people who only speak English are listening to non-English language music. They said that two in five, 40% of U.S. music listeners now enjoy non-English language music. Uh, they attribute this kind of to two main trends, but it's not isolated to the two main trends. One is is a lot of uh, Spanish language artists, like Bad Bunny, for example, has had a lot of hits, and mm-hmm. uh, K-pop, where uh, mm-hmm. you know the songs are in Korean and American mm-hmm. listeners, you know, can't understand the language, but they're still producing massive hits. Um, which I thought that was really interesting because. It, you know, it kind of goes to show that, you know, lyrics might not be as important to a lot of listeners considering they, they literally don't understand the language. But it also reminded me, I can't remember if I ever played this on the podcast, but I thought it was really like an interesting bit of pop culture uh, uh, trivia. There was an Italian artist back in the day uh, named Adriano Calintio, and uh, it was 1972 and he was a pop artist in Italy. And American pop songs were overtaking the Italian pop charts. Um, You know, the 70s was a big time for kind of American rock and roll. So this guy decided that he wanted to get on the Italian pop charts and he was going to do an English pop song. The problem is he didn't speak English, but he thought people just liked the way it sounded. (laughs) Um, Jason, play a clip of this for me. dude here had a number one hit in Italy by speaking gibberish English just because he thought Italian music fans liked the way that English sounded. Um, I, he didn't know, say look, anything. Yeah, <laughs> he was just making Eng- he was making English like sounds, but the Italian audience didn't know the difference between that and like an American pop song. And he and it was a, it was a massive, massive hit. Um, but I, again, I thought this was a, a really interesting study. Uh, considering, uh, you know, I can't imagine how much of the U.S. population speaks Korean, uh, much less speaks Korean fluently enough to be able to appreciate the lyricism of K-pop songs. But uh, a foreign, non-English speaking language is, is kind of blowing up right now and having a moment. You know, my daughter is 15 and she watches Korean dramas nonstop. So it's a little different because they've got subtitles and it's not music, but still she's really into them these days. Mm. I don't know if it's the same, but. That's so interesting. I know. All right. Uh, What do you have, Derek? Yeah. So a Canadian court just said that emojis count as contractual agreements. So and and here's what does that mean? Like a thumbs up? Yes. So like if you if somebody says, hey, man, uh, 
Will you sell me your car for a thousand bucks? And you send a thumbs up back in Canada. You just you, you sell <laughs> oh, wow. your car for a thousand bucks. Oh wow! It's kind of like just saying like okay, yeah, like that kinda, doesn't really mean anything. What if you did the barfing face? <laughs> oh no! Or a side eye or something, <laughs> you know? So the ruling is based on crypto Twitter. We talked about Threads and Twitter last time, but um, yeah, in Canada, if you send an emoji. It's going to count as a um, contractual agreement. So, yeah, done. So be careful. Be careful. Don't be like me because I send thumbs up all the time. Derek, Dude, what if you do you a heart? What if you do a heart? Like the, the just the response of you put the little heart on it, you know, like the tap back. You got to talk to Canada, bro. I'm in America. <laughs> in America, you got you go to Canada, go talk to Canada. I'm in America. America. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if there was like a law school class where you had to learn the legal uh, ramifications of all the top emojis? Like, yes. you know, you just Gosh. have a bunch of lawyers in there figuring out how to uh, understand, you know, what 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 a couple exclamation points or, or a heart or, uh, you know, any of the, the, the fun ones are going to, the legal ramifications are, you know. We live in a simulation. I'm just going to leave that yeah. there because could you imagine now think about this. Let's take all of the stuff that's happening right now and put it back in the nineties and tell a 30 or 40 year old like, Hey, one day there's going to be little icons that if you send that icon is going to be a contractual agreement. That's crazy. That's, that's mind boggling. Yeah. All right. What do you have, Jamie? All right. Um, this is an interesting story and I, I'm the kind of person that doesn't trust things until like I see it happening. Like I'm, I'm a, mm. I'm a slow adapter. Everything makes me nervous. Like new technology makes me worried about what is this really doing? But here's a, an article actually on you guys page. AI is being used to translate the Bible in every language in the world. Oh so, gosh. I'm big on Bible translation. I mm -hmm. love illuminations. I love the things that they're doing. Like I'm a big fan of what's happening. But Bible translation is, it's it's so laborious and time consuming. In fact, this uh, article is telling us that there's 7,100 languages, okay, in the world, 7,000 languages, and only about 700 possess a complete copy of the Bible. So hmm. 3,500 languages have at least one book of the Bible and over 6,000 languages lack a comprehensive version. So Bible translation is important. It's important for people to read God's word in their native tongue so they can understand it. And so this um, researcher is started something called the Greek Room, and it's a project that is aiming to develop tools that enhance the efficiency of Bible translation. So he's basically just trying to enhance the work that's already been doing is what I'm kind of understanding from this. It says, he says... Um, mm -hmm. We try to then explain it as... Well, he talks about how they're trying to also change things culturally because if you think about it, Culturally, like he talked about in this article that there's, um, you know, a community that lives in the mountains and they, they don't have doors on their huts. And so there's no concept of a door in their culture. Like that doesn't even, what's a door? They don't know a door. They don't know the word. There's no, and so there's a verse in the Bible, you know, I stand at the door and knock. And they're having to think about creative ways to translate that for that people group. Um, so they're wanting to make it so that other Bible translation efforts can use what they have built in for their own research as well. So they're wanting to make, um, their data and code public, which I was really excited to read that. So they're trying to make Bible translation happen sooner and faster around the world, which I'm a fan of. I don't mm -hmm. know. AI makes me nervous. It just does sometimes. Why? 
I don't know. It just feels like I'm like that old grandma that doesn't want to adapt anything new. It just makes me nervous. Emily and like I how, use it every like, day. Every day. I've never used it once in my entire life. What do you, what, I don't, I, oh, I literally man. haven't. Wait till, wait till you start using it. It's going to make life a lot more efficient. I think the issue with the Bible uh-huh. though is, is, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about, but I guess. Well, who's creating the data as to translation? That's the kind of thing too, is like there, ha- it has to start from somewhere, right? To what, create. But, but at the end of the day, the filter will be the person that uses the AI. Yeah. I mean, AI has access to everything that's on the internet, every, you know, the world knowledge base. Yeah. So uh, somebody said this, Jamie, they say you will not be replaced by AI, but a person using AI will probably replace you. And I think that that kind of helped me put a lot of context into even with this situation. At first I was like, I don't know how I feel about AI translating the Bible, but AI isn't translating the Bible. A person is using AI and they're fact checking and cross checking with that. So it's like when you realize that AI is a tool, it's not a personification, but it's, it's a tool, right? Uh, Now I think that that makes it a lot less scary, right? Okay, well, yeah. I'm going to try it this week. I don't know what I'm going to use it on, but you guys use it every day. So here use, I go. Yeah. Try, try it with um, maybe maybe like your post. Maybe think because you're, you're a social influencer. Maybe be like, yo, I need three ideas for a Instagram post around AI translating the Bible. See what happens. Okay, done. All right. That'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Osana Wong joins us. Dragon. The song is Disco Dangerous. Hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads, you can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get this podcast ad-free. You get ad-free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives. Our beautifully designed digital issue and a little more. Uh, Check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. Our guest today is Hosanna Wong. She's a speaker, poet, and author of a new book called You Are More Than You've Been Told. She sat down with downtown Emily Brown to discuss how to discover your true identity in Christ and how to block out the lies that hold us back from living our full lives. Here's our conversation with Hosanna Wong. What can you tell me about the book? Like, what's the message behind it? Um, My book is called You Are More Than You've Been Told. And I found that a lot of people had, um, a lot of people have heard lies throughout their lives about who they are and who they're not. And whether it's something, some, whether it's something that someone said that was mean to them on social media or something that someone said to them at work that hurt their feelings, I actually find that more 
times than not, it's something that they heard growing up something from their adolescent years, something from their childhood. Certainly all those other more recent wounds are real and should be taken care of tenderly. But I find that a lot of times we heard lies throughout our lives that trapped us in the wrong patterns of thinking. And so I wanted to write a book that told people the truth about who they were. I wanted to tell them who they are, but I also wanted to tell them how. I didn't want to do an identity book that was just, here's who you are in Christ, though those are important and those have changed my life. I am a hands raised, hands in kind of person, but more than anything, I'm a hands on kind of girl. And I really wanted to give people the how, not just who you are, but how do I know who I am every single day? And how do I live as who as I really am? And so it's really a rhythms book and a spiritual disciplines book about how we can know who we are and live like it every day so we can know that we're more than we've been told. You know, I, I, our audience is primarily a lot of people in their 20s and 30s and for so many people, that's the first time when they really start trying to figure out their identity and figure out who they are. Um, and that can seem like such a big task. So what would you say to someone who's maybe trying to figure out, you know, who they are, their place in this world? Like what would be maybe a good first step to take? Yeah. I mean, if you struggle with knowing who you are, you're not crazy. <laughs> You've been lied to your whole life and you're actually in the middle of an age old war from the beginning of time. The enemy of our souls has been trying to convince us that we are less than we are. So we live lives that are less than the lives we've been created to live. So you're not crazy. So what can we do next? What would be the next step? Growing up for me, I heard a lot that I need to find my identity in Christ. <laughs> and I need to abide in Christ and I'm down. Like, yes, can someone show me how? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. If you could describe to me the steps, I'd love to do it. So I was in a season where I was just disconnected from myself and disconnected from God. I lost who I was. I was doing and doing and doing, but felt like I wasn't doing enough. And I set out to discover what it would mean to actually find my identity in Christ and abide in Christ practically. And I, called one of my uh, best friends who works in vineyards. She's worked in vineyards um, for the better part of her adult life in New Zealand and up and down the West Coast. And I called her and I said, I need to understand more about the relationship between vines and branches, right? We get this phrase, abide in Christ from John 15, where Jesus is saying, abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear great fruit, but without me, you will accomplish nothing. But I needed to know how. So I called my friend who's not a Jesus person. She did not know the scripture. She didn't know the context of the scripture. She's just giving me her agricultural answer. And I said, are all the branches need to live is just to be connected <laughs> to the vine. And she said to me this, and it changed my life and my relationship with God and with myself. And she said, technically, yes all the branches need to live is to be connected to the vine, but they really need a trellis, a structure to help them stay connected to the vine. And she described to me how this wooden structure that vineyards have that we would see maybe in our own plants at our home or in a vineyard or decorative, like an arched trellis, maybe at like a park or a zoo. She described to me how this wooden structure helps the branches get even sunlight and not rot or mold. And then she said this to me, she said, the branches can still live 
if they're only connected to the vine, but without a trellis, without a structure, they will live constantly weighed down. They will carry weights they weren't meant to carry and they will fight an uphill battle they don't have to fight. And I just thought, man, I am, I am feeling weighed down today. I think I might be fighting uphill battle I don't have to fight. And if we do not have a structure in our lives, then we eventually, the branches, if they don't have a structure, will eventually disconnect from themselves and then eventually disconnect from the vine. And I realized that the answer to abiding in Christ for me was a structure, that I had lost sense of my rhythms. I had lost sense of my routine. I've chosen Jesus. So does that discount as like I'm abiding, like I'm connected? And I just realized that to reclaim my life and reclaim my identity, I needed to reclaim my schedule. And so I started studying the lifestyle of Jesus and his rhythms and his routines. If I believe that he is the son of God and I've said I'm going to follow him that I want to see his lifestyle and, and, and how he showed me how to be human while he was on earth and then I tried to discover how he was able to know who he was and live as who he was in public and then we see throughout his life all these rhythms he had in private that enabled him to stay connected to God and to himself and so I would just say to anyone who's listening that's saying I want to know who I am but I also want to know how the answer is to be connected to the source of life, which is Jesus. The structure has no life for you. There's no salvation in the structure. There's only salvation and life in the source, Jesus Christ. But the, the structure will help you be connected and stay connected and not live so weighed down. So you don't have to fight an uphill battle. You don't have to fight. any wisdom or encouragement for someone who feels bitterness um, but doesn't want to feel better yeah yeah I mean for people who have experienced true church hurt I, I am sorry that that happened to you and that was never meant to happen to you and for me I've, I've spent years hating the church and being very cynical about the church and I think it was when I was living on the road for those four and a half years across state lines, across cultures, across denominations, I was being housed by all these families and sharing the truth about myself and I wasn't met with shame or condemnation, that I saw a different kind of church, that I saw the truth about what the church could be and that I could be a part of creating the community I longed for. And this is what I just want to say to anyone who loves God and really wants to represent Him, but you've been hurt by other people within the community of the church. I really believe that the only way, the only way the church is going to be the community we've been praying for, the community that Jesus prayed we would be, the only way we're going to be the community we've been praying for is if people who really love God and really love people stay in it and are the change from within it. But that doesn't mean that you have to stay in the specific church environment that you've been hurt in, or that you have to be surrounded by people who are not safe. I think when we are hurt, we have to um, deal with that tenderly the way God has asked us to by, by surrendering it to Him and bringing in a trusted person into our life and take 
the time we need to heal, whether that's through a, a Christian counselor or a pastor or a trusted friend. But what I'm nervous about is that God said that we are His plan A, His ideal plan to reach the world to show how loving He is. And Jesus said that the church is the love of His life, it is the bride of Christ. So what I'm nervous about is those of us who really love God and love people being damaged and hurt, that when we leave our church environments that have hurt us, we just wallow in pain without going to someone, without going to God, without going to people to help us heal and deal, and then eventually hoping to be in a healthy, Christ-centered community of Christ followers, whatever that looks like. Instead, we just leave it because we needed to leave it, but we stay in a place of hurt. We stay in a place of bitterness, but God has called us to be His church. The people who hurt you are clearly not representing the love of Christ. So you and I, need to do that how can we heal how can we go on our journey of healing so we can be a part of of what god has called us to do so i think both are true i think we need to stay in the community of christ followers all over the world to you know stay in the capital c church but that doesn't mean you have to stay in the specific lowercase c church environment that hurt you the question is how will you take the time that you need to heal so that you can be who God has called you to be and the change you and I both so desperately want to see. I also want to acknowledge that what I need for my healing might not be what someone else needs for their healing. It takes different time uh, frames, different settings, and different people. But I don't believe the answer is to stay in an unsafe environment. And I don't believe that the answer is to remove yourself from the love of Jesus' life, the church. Because when people who really love God and love people for real stay in it, I do believe that we will build God's church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. That was Hosanna Wong. Make sure to check out her new book, You Are More Than You've Been Told. to Phil J. The song is Surreal. Today's show is brought to you in part by The Chosen. Season four of The Chosen is coming to theaters nationwide on February 1st, and this season has everything. Clashing kingdoms, rival rulers, and when they're threatened by the reality of Jesus's growing influence, religious leaders do the unthinkable, choose to ally themselves with the Romans. As the seeds of betrayal are planted in opposition to Jesus' message turns violent, he's left with no alternative but to demand his followers rise up. So get ready, relevant podcast listeners. February 1st is the big release day. Go get your tickets now at thechosenriseup.com.
All right, it is time for... We have done this in a while. We wanted to bring it back. It is time for... Epic battle is, you know, our way to settle the debates that we see on the internet. You know, people are like, oh, this team is better than that team, or my politician's better than your politician. People are just debating who's better, Jordan or, or LeBron. Once and for all, we're going to settle some stuff. I have, I have people and things, and then we have competitions. We're going to do teams like we usually do. Emily, downtown Emily Brown is joining us. Welcome to the show, Emily. Hey, y'all. And uh, we're going to do two teams. So, uh, Emily, you and Derek are a team. And Jamie, you and Jesse are a team. Emily and Derek, what is your team name? Go ahead, Emily. You got this, Derek. <laughs> I got you, Emily. I got you. I'll protect you. I'll protect you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to be called Swifty Gangsters. Oh, mm. love it. There it you know is. What I'm saying? Swifty Gangsters. All right. And, uh, and Jesse and Jamie, what's your team name? Jamie, what you thinking? I think we need three names no matter what. Like three <laughs> three names for sure. Yes. Yes. Good um, callback. Like, I, I don't know, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> let's This is Jamie's hell. I, it I mean, literally like, is. It, think like, like this. I, I it think, literally like, is my I think, hell. Think, like, well, let's, yeah. let's just make I our... Say, combine your names somehow. I was going to say, why don't we just make our team Let's Ask AI? I feel like that's a, a good theme for this show. Let's like Ask it. AI. And I feel like All we right, should have a third go. team that is AI. That Ooh. gives their opinion on these epic battles, but maybe for a future for a future uh, version of this game. Uh, let's ask AI versus the Swifty Gangsters. Um, here's the <laughs> competitors. Now these are all summer themed, so it's like it's summer movies and and okay. it's things that are in the news. Okay, so uh, Swifty Gangsters, you have Taylor Swift. Let's ask mm. AI. You have Wes Anderson <laughs> and the competition. Is an illegal street race. Who would win an illegal street race, Fast and Furious style, uh, between Wes Anderson and Taylor Swift? Swifty Gangsters, you're up first. Tell us why Taylor Swift would beat Wes Anderson in an illegal street race. Um, on Taylor Swift's album, Reputation, she has a song <sighs> called Getaway Car, where she talks about literally speeding through the streets, mm. getting away from everything. And if there's one thing that we all know about Taylor Swift, if she puts her mind mm. to something, she's going to get it done. So... There's just there's literally mm. no world where she loses um, this race. She's she's Taylor Swift. You know what I mean? Like she just I rest my she case. can't lose. All right, mm. let's ask AI. Why does Wes Anderson win well, in a legal street race? I, I I I don't necessarily think it. I, I I could see Wes Anderson easily handling like some little Italian roadster from the 1960s uh, 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 pretty well. That seems uh, on brand for him. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I haven't seen Taylor Swift do anything or go anywhere without drawing a tremendous amount of <laughs> attention to herself. Oh yeah. The very premise of this is it's an illegal street waste. Where mm -hmm. is she going to go that there aren't like basically armed guards and, and police very aware of her existence. There's no way she's even entering the street race. Wes Anderson mm -hmm. looks, I'll be honest with you. If you're, if <laughs> There's a very small percentage of the population who knows what Wes Anderson looks like. And, mm -hmm. uh, and let me let me give you a hint. An unassuming nerd wearing like a blazer and like a tweed sweater. No one's suspecting him of any illegal activity, much less a street mm -hmm. race. Taylor mm -hmm. Swift's drawing all the attention in the world. She's not even entering. Jamie, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I, I agree so much. And I think that also one thing about 
Wes Anderson that's going to help him right here winning this race is like people are going to even be like as confused as to what's going on and where he is because you know a lot of things that he that he contributes to you just kind of go wait what is happening what am I watching I don't understand and so I think he would even just kind of fool his competition into even not even knowing what they can were I, involved in can, yeah. can I rebut yeah all right please Derek Listen. please have y'all ever seen Undercover Boss mm-hmm Yes. Literally, the boss of the whole company goes in there and puts a wig on, and these people are food. Mm. All Taylor Swift got to do is put on a wig, and then we back to the getaway car. So uh, here, here's Derek. I'm going to refute that very easily. Taylor mm. Swift has mm. had like 15 different looks off the top of. My, I'm not even a Taylor Swift fan. I can watch her on the GMAs singing with where she for some reason has a country accent when she speaks and then i can watch her 15 years later okay. with like a bob or i can watch her impersonating uh, uh chris kirsten stewart on twilight on snl and guess what she she's in full she's in I've completely changed her appearance and i can instantly tell that it's taylor swift if the street race if, if the street race is in nashville i just see 15 taylor swifts on the way home yesterday so if, it's, if the street race in Nashville, she gonna blend she in with blend the crowd. There's the about four thousand yeah. Taylor Swifts out here right now. I'm just, I'm just saying, Wes Anderson is not drawing any serious because he looks like the most law-abiding person who's ever walked <laughs> yeah. the face of the earth, and and he old, so he probably Which means he, he'd get panicky if right, he had to speed. Old, so mm-hmm. let's go. He ain't, he ain't driving fast. Jason, who who wins? Is it us, Ask AI, or who, Swifty Gangsters? Who made the most compelling argument? I'm going to give it to Swifty Gangsters. Yeah, it was solid. Thank you. Woo! We appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, Cameron, for giving us Taylor her, Swift. Her whole career is a disguise. <laughs> we appreciate you. Derek, did you hear he put the hard R on gangsters? Is that... I thought it was gangsters. D- did I? Yeah, you did. You hard R'd it. Oh, man. Roll the tape. Hey, bro. Okay. <laughs> did- <laughs> <laughs> delete <laughs> camera delete uh hang on let me just, just let me just re-say that so i can stitch yeah. it in yeah. <laughs> um, yeah i'm gonna give that to the swifty gangsters <laughs> <laughs> all right here's the next one all right here we go swifty gangsters you have elon musk uh, let's ask ai you have mark zuckerberg with too much sunscreen on his face oh. which one would save the world on an impossible mission. All right, we'll start with Let's Ask AI. Tell us why Mark Zuckerberg with too much sunscreen on his face would beat Elon Musk, probably, let's say, a shirtless Elon Musk uh, in, a, in a competition to save the world on an impossible mission. Given. Uh, Jamie, would you like to go first? I, I mean, I do. I had a thought, an immediate thought, is that uh, Mark Zuckerberg seems to to care about people. Uh, the people that, that mm-hmm. work for him, um, you know, like what, like half of the world, half of the world, 3 Mm. billion people are on a platform that Mark Zuckerberg is responsible for. So I think Mm. he has a, he Mm -hmm. wants to save the world because this is the people in the world are paying his bills. Um, And then Mm. I, so I think that goes for Mark, but then Elon, we've seen his track record. He's pretty much just concerned about himself. And so I wouldn't trust Elon with wanting to save anyone but Elon, which would put the whole rest of the world, Mm. you know, at risk. Character Mm. issues aside, because uh, I, I, I think those are valid. But I got to be honest, at this point, I don't know what situation the world is facing that it needs an impossible mission to be saved. But I, I would be genuinely concerned that Elon Musk might find a, a way to make it worse. 
Like, <laughs> 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 he, he's going to step in there and take a bad situation and somehow make it worse. At least, listen, at least Zuckerberg's proceeding with caution. At least we got a, we got, mm. we got, a, we got, a, we got a chance here. At least he's considering the dangers mm. of the outcome. He, he, mm. Can I, can I ask mm-hmm. a question? Uh, was Mark Zuckerberg considering the dangers when he was allowing Cambridge Analytica to access all of our data? Did he, did he think, care about humans I think what we've seen with Mark no. oh, is wow. that he has, I think what we've seen with Mark is him go back and back track. So he's willing to own up for his mistakes and he's willing to say how to make the Hence world a better the place. Hence the sunscreen. <laughs> well, are we, if the world ends, yeah, is he going to be able to backtrack on burned. that? He got burned in 2016, <laughs> literally yeah. and figuratively. And now you see a newer, yeah. cautious, people learn from their mistakes. That's, right. that's why he's wearing sunscreen. Yeah. Let me ask yeah. you this. You ever go on vacation? You get burned the first day, whole vacation ruined. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to lather <laughs> yeah. it on next, next summer. Sorry. That's how yeah. it works. He learned his lessons. <laughs> he learned Same from thing his mistakes. With the election stuff, you know? But mm. If we're saving the world, do we get a second chance to put on more sunscreen next time? Because he's it sounds like lessons. the world oh, yeah. he's, 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 right. he's a wider, older Zuck. So if we're counting on Zuck for his second chance, I don't know. All right, the gangsters, tell us why shirtless Elon Musk would save the world in, on an impossible mission versus Mark. If there's one thing I know about Elon Musk, it's that hmm. he's going to go with the most out-of-the-box solution. Mm, yeah. Um, the one that <laughs> truly no one on this planet would even think about suggesting. Mm. And sometimes... Sometimes, not always, but sometimes mm. those out of the box suggestions really work. So I think okay. that he would come up with something unique. Would it work? That is to be determined, but he would come not up with risk. an option at least. Um, yeah, it, but it would be yeah. like this. And if the world's ending, we need a risky person. I'm going to be honest here. We're yeah. in an impossible situation, right? The world is, it, right. is, is ending and you have mm-hmm. the internet guy, Mark Zuckerberg, the social media guy. And you have Elon Musk, right? Now listen, right? Elon Musk. I'm gonna just be honest. I mean, the guy, he's a little unhinged. He's not very likable, mm-hmm. right? It is what it is. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. go with character. Like character doesn't a, seem mm-hmm. like. But I mean, come on now. You sound like the evangelicals in 2016. <laughs> Wait a second, but I will say this: if we're talking, if we're talking right, but if we're talking, talk, if we're talking practically about saving the world. Mark Zuckerberg has social media. Elon Musk has satellites. He has uh, he has all a rocket. He has all this technology. He's a tunnels. He's a technology aficionado. So just off of those tools, besides money, Uh he has all these different Mm -hmm. tech things that he could use at his disposal to do that. Only thing Mark Zuckerberg is going to do is going to create the algorithm to where nobody knows the world is about to blow up. It's just like, okay, well, mm-hmm. at least when the world blows up, nobody will be able to get any engagement. He's going to escape threads, to the metaverse. Right? Exactly. It's not going to be good. You know how this ends. It's a big press conference. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk steps up the podium. He's got good news and bad news. The the gigantic mm-hmm. meteor that's heading towards Earth. I was able, it was a direct hit mm-hmm. with a rocket. Now the bad news. Mm-hmm. Now there are two very large meteors, approximately half the size of the first one, <laughs> approaching the Earth. So, <laughs> but the question is, who would, who would have a better chance? Would it be Mark or would it be Elon? All Mark is going to do is going to post a picture of it on Threads. That's it. That's all he got. That's what he got. At least, hey, mm-hmm. at least people will see it there. He's going to throw something. He's going to at least get a shot at getting something done. So. That's my. All right, Jason. Who case. who who wins? Swifty gangsters or last house? Listen, this 
Swifty Gangsters took this one again because, you know, listen, Let's Ask AI's argument was fully based on a second chance. You don't have a second chance to save the world. You don't have a second chance to save the world. All right. Okay. Last one. Here we go. Swifty Gangsters, you have Robert J. Oppenheimer, the actual Robert J. Oppenheimer. Let's Ask AI, you have Timothy Chalamet in character as Willy Wonka. Uh, he's going to be starring as Willy Wonka in the upcoming film Wonka. Here we go. The competition is a beach volleyball competition. Swifty Gangsters, why would Robert J. Oppenheimer beat Timothy Chalamet in characters Willy Wonka in a beach volleyball competition? Uh, Listen, because Timothy Chalamet would be afraid that he would get blowed up. So... <laughs> so he throw the. He, he, he wouldn't throw, even show uh, up. To I, the I wouldn't show up. Of a guy that makes bombs, I'm, I'm not showing up. <laughs> that no, I get what you're saying, Derek. If I'm challenged to against anyone who has made an atomic bomb, they win. Right? Doesn't matter what we're I doing. Win. They have I, access I to atomic bombs. I don't care if I'm bombs. an expert or not, or if I'm all of that. None yeah. of that matters if you're a mushroom cloud. If there's listen, this yeah. one's right. easily we can settle this easily. If there's one adjective I would use to describe Timothy Chalamet, no matter what character he's depicting, it's spry. He's a spry fellow. He's <laughs> lean. He's got that floppy hair. I played volleyball in high school. The number one attribute uh-huh. you need is spry. It's come down to spry. I think Robert Oppenheimer, from my understanding, is an old scientist uh, 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 with little regard. <laughs> by the way. The implications of his brilliance. Chalamet is a little spry guy, and that's really the primary asset you need in volleyball. But it's Chalamet in character as Willy Wonka. That's even more who, spry. From the Have trailer, you ever seen how better. Willy Wonka no, behaves? No, he's even, he looks like he gets distracted by a butterfly. Ever, he dances around no, with a little he's going to get distracted. He's, he's even more spry than he is naturally. That's an asset. No, he's going to get distracted by coming up with some like imagination station in the middle of the game, and he's going to walk off the you court and go build. You can be distracted and play volleyball. It's a low concentration <laughs> game. You hit a ball over net. It's, it's not like we're playing chess here. You you say that, but Timothy Chalamet is Willy Wonka. I think he'd struggle. I would also like to say that an old scientist is not going to be good at volleyball. He's just not. He's not going to be quick oh, on his ages feet. Are we, are no, we discriminating not- against scientists? Wow. I am wow. discriminating against yes. an yes. older wow. person versus a younger person in a volleyball game. Yeah, You're asking is... me who's going to be the better. Wow. You're, the young people have a have, they have they have some some things on us as we get older. Listen, this but, is what but, it but, is. But remember, this is a beach volleyball competition and and Timothy Chalamet is in that full felt overcoat, um, top hat, like beach Oh, and I'm, and I'm sorry. I I forgot that Robin, Robert Oppenheimer regularly wore speedos. That's documented history. No, he's in some dirty suit. He probably has goggles on. He can't even see the ball. I bet he has goggles on. I mean, I mean, look, look, look. We've all seen that. We've seen the photos. He was in the middle of the desert, of the Mojave Desert, wearing a three piece suit. What makes you think he's going to wear wear okay. anything else at the beach? That means he's comfortable in sandy areas. So thank you for proving our point, Jesse. So, so, so is Wonka man. It's they're melting chocolate in there. It's that hot. Wonka as, is not even on this planet. It's hot enough to, to boil is. chocolate all around him. He's just doing fine in that suit. He's not even breaking a sweat. Jason, who 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 convinced from? you? Let's ask AI gets that point for sure. Wonka's that was, got, that there was, it is. Wonka's got Hoopa Loompas, his setters. So he's. <laughs> <laughs> 
just stacked on top of each other. No, they're not. They're not fighting. <laughs> I've got nothing, bro. The low center of gravity. <laughs> low center of gravity actually beneficial. Derek, where'd you look, go? You saw I could BS my way through it, but I had to even Google who Timothy Chalamet was. So it's like, <laughs> like I, I, you, I, I had no clue who that was. So yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Emily. I left you hanging. That's okay. All right. We won the well, other You guys two, still so. won. You still won. There you go. Two to one. All right. That'll do it for. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Hosanna Wong for joining us. Make sure to check out her new book. It's called You Are More Than You've Been Told. Also, if you haven't checked out the summer issue of Relevant yet, you should. It's available for free at relevantmagazine.com. Just click on the magazine tab. You can check out our amazing cover story with Lauren Daigle. We also have artists like Arizona, Drew Holcomb, Naomi Rain, and a lot more. Some amazing think pieces, too. It's a great issue. It's available for free. Um, If you want to get the beautifully designed enhanced edition, it's part of your Relevant Plus membership. You can find out all the info about Relevant Plus there at the website as well. You get ad-free unlimited reading at the website, an ad-free version of this podcast, and more plans start as low as $250 a month. It is the best way to experience our content. Um, also, if you want to keep in touch with everything we're doing uh, and covering throughout the day, obviously follow us on all the socials. Uh, follow us on threads at Relevant Magazine. And um, if you don't, if you're not a social person, social media person, you can sign up for our daily newsletter right there at relevantmagazine.com. Um, you get our top five trending stories sent to your inbox every weekday morning. Uh, it's right there on the article pages, on the right column, and also at the homepage, you can sign up. All right. On that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Derek Miner. I'm Jamie Ivey. We'll see you on Friday. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com. Or a side eye or something, you know? Relevant Podcast Network. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.